Welcome to McGonigal's Chronicles, Making Montana Connections. I'm KRTV KXLH anchor Tim McGonigal. It's kind of ironic that today's guest on the podcast is another podcaster. Kendra Joyce's Cutting Fences podcast can be found at Amazon, Spotify, Audible, and on her website. Kendra, or Kenny as she likes to be called, hails from a farming background in Geraldine, Montana, a small agricultural community in Shoto County in the heart of Big Sky Country. And as long as she can remember, she's had a passion for helping people. Whether it be coaching Special Olympics or pursuing her dream of being an occupational therapist, she's never shied away from lending a hand. Her Cutting Fences podcast tells stories of everyday Montana farmers and ranchers overcoming injuries, accidents, and disabilities to take charge of their lives. Her hope is to take her occupational therapy skills on the road, making house calls, if you will, like doctors did in the simpler times of days gone by. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Kendra Joyce. All right, well, we're, we're very uh, pleased to be joined today by Kendra Joyce from uh, Geraldine, Montana. And Kendra, I think I read somewhere that you like to go by Kenny. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, you can call me Kenny. That's <laughs> what most people call me anymore. So, All right, well, I mentioned uh, the... The great little town of Geraldine, Montana, home of the Tigers. Uh, I guess they're the rivals now. They've combined with Highwood. But uh, uh, t- talk about uh, growing up in uh, in Geraldine. What was uh, what was that like? And uh, I guess in a way is is kind of still like because uh, if you're like me, you probably really never grow up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it was great. I I loved the small town life. I loved growing up in and around agriculture. Um, I was very active in sports growing up. Of course, you kind of kind of are if you're from a small town um, to put a team on the court. So I enjoyed it. I, I did a lot of sports, like I said, basketball, and, and then I rodeoed through high school and then into college. So so I, I loved it. I can't complain about uh, growing up in a small town. I hope that someday I can kind of raise my kids the same way. Yeah. And uh, so you mentioned college. Uh, talk about uh, college and uh, what, what you kind of got into then was the uh, whole occupational therapy. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I did my undergrad in Bozeman at MSU, um, where I got a health and human performance uh, degree there. And that was my undergrad. I knew I wanted to go on with it. And so I eventually got accepted into the Rocky Mountain College Occupational Therapy Doctorate Program, um, which is what I just completed. It seems crazy that I've already been there, done that, because I feel like I just started. Um, So and now I'm moving into where I'm actually teaching at that program. So so yeah, full circle. Yeah. And what was it about uh, occupational therapy that, uh, that drew you to that discipline? Um, I wouldn't say that right away. I knew that I wanted to do occupational therapy. I knew I loved working with individuals with disabilities throughout my whole life. Um, I've been really active with coaching Special Olympics uh, way back in high school, into college and so on. So I knew I wanted to either be a special education teacher, but I also liked anatomy and things with the body. So I was kind of stuck between physical therapy or, or being a trainer and then being a special education teacher and occupational therapy really gives me the ability to kind of combine all of it. Um, and now combine agriculture, which I never would have expected to be doing occupational therapy and eggs. So, so it's kind of the best of all my worlds. (laughs) Speaking of agriculture, you do come from an agricultural background, not just being from Geraldine, but your family very involved in agriculture too. Tell me about the, the family business. Yeah. Uh, so my family owns Joyce Fuel and Feed stores in Geraldine, um, Geyser and Fort Benton. And it's, I, gosh, 
I don't, I don't know what generation we're on fourth at least. Um, but it started out as an ice and coal business way back when my dad's great uncle had it, um, back when the railroad was really active and my grandpa started moving more into the agricultural side of it. Um, and then my dad took over and now my brothers are, uh, taking over his spot kind of too. He's still working actively in it, but, but they're starting to kind of move in, but they supply all of your agricultural needs, um, fuel feeds, they do some chemical business as well. Um, but all three of my brothers are now back home kind of helping with the business, um, keeping it going. So it's over a hundred years uh, yeah. in business, which is pretty neat. Uh, you guys have the, uh, the business, but do you still actively farm too? Yep. Yeah. My family, we raise some cattle and then also put up some um, hay and then also wheat. So a little okay. bit of everything. They're, they're pretty busy with the business though. So our, yeah. our production side isn't super big, but they still keep it going anyway. Well, there was an article I know recently in the uh, Prairie Star highlighting uh, Joyce uh, feeds and you on your Facebook uh, page pointed to it and talked about how, how big of an influence your family is. And you, cause you're, you're not really uh, like part of the family business, I guess, but you're not maybe as actively involved as say your brothers and your mom and dad. But uh, you, you said that if it wasn't for them, you probably wouldn't be where you are today to talk about the importance of, uh, of your family to, to you and your, your dream. Yeah. Um, I think just, I wouldn't be anywhere in anything without my family. I'm very, very family oriented, oriented. Um, I'm very, very proud of how my parents raised me and I'm very grateful for how they raised me as well. But I grew up hanging out in the store. I remember when we used to get to do you know, take the day off to go to the Maggie and sit at the Maggie booth that my parents had. And it was almost like a vacation. Um, but it's just been so much fun for me and really educational and, and inspiring to grow up in a business that's family owned and family founded. Um, and so that's kind of where my, my uh, entrepreneurial side comes from is just growing up in and around it. And, and I, I kind of envy my brothers for getting to hang out just doing the family business every day. I, some days when I'm home, it's just like, man, what, what more could you ask for than getting to do business with your family and, and good business and really, really great communities. Um, so I can't say enough for what my, my parents and my brothers have really done for me as far as inspiring me to be the best me and be the best me for others around me. All right. Well, the, the dream that we talked about is, is cutting fences and, uh, it's a, I know it's a podcast, but it's, it's much more than that too. Uh, tell us what is cutting fences and how did you kind of come up with that? Yeah. Uh, so it really started with my occupational therapy program. They have a class that they're hoping to kind of bring into the program that's for where they founded the program around is, is rural health and serving rural communities and agricultural communities. And they, they've had this class since the program started, which we Mike, the class that I was in was the first class of the program, but they haven't really had a professor that knew a whole lot about agriculture. And so where it really began was having one of my professors reach out to me and have me do a guest lecture for my class talking about what growing up in agriculture and in a rural area was like. Um, and just to kind of spice up my presentation, I reached out to some friends for quotes and within 10 minutes of 
texting and calling. I had three contacts of individuals farming and ranching from the seat of a power chair. And so that's kind of where it began. Um, and then it turned into my doctoral capstone project, uh, which is a 14 week project. Um, but I established it right away as a business because I knew, I knew I wanted it to be more, but I also knew that the more I reached into it, the more I knew that it needed to be more, that our state was super underserved in this area, um, in, in rural healthcare and in agricultural specific healthcare. Um, and so it's just grown since then. It was a podcast. It's still a podcast where I interview individuals farming and ranching despite their disabilities and tell their stories and I've gotten the opportunity to do a lot of speaking and educating on agricultural safety at a lot of different meetings and conventions. Um, and now I'm also consulting for a adaptive equipment company called Life Essentials out of Indiana, kind of representing them in this area. They have more of your kind of more blue collar and agricultural specific adaptive equipment, stuff like tractor lifts, things like that to make it possible. Um, and then I'm also being an occupational therapist where I'm serving kind of more of your rural and agricultural individuals and areas. So, so it's a lot of different hats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And the, the name I think is, uh, is interesting. Um, you know, cutting fences. Uh, I, I, I listened to another podcast that you were a guest on and you were kind of explaining the name and I'm hoping you can, can explain it to us too. Uh, because it, it, some people might say that's kind of a, a risk for a, for uh, someone with an ag background to use the name cutting fences. So tell us, tell us how you came up with the name. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting. It's kind of been that balance between people thinking I'm a, I don't know, cutting fences is kind of more of something like you say that agricultural people don't want to happen. Um, so it came, I knew that I wanted something short and something that was really to the point and powerful for my podcast name. And so Cutting Fences really started as my podcast name with this idea of eliminating barriers for individuals who have disabilities in agriculture. So making what they do possible again um, through occupational therapy, through adaptive equipment, and through just creating a community and some hope with each other. Um, so that was kind of the, the cutting of the fences. And then also uniting fields is another part of kind of my slogan of where I'm uniting the fields of agriculture and occupational therapy. Um, so that's kind of the story behind it. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's always kind of some head scratches behind it when I'm at, I have my booth and they see my name, but it's a great conversational starter. So I will take it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's catchy and uh, it, it gets their attention. And then once you explain the story, they're kind of like, ah, that makes perfect yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. And I think another big piece of, of the story really was to create community and, and what there's a lot of people in Montana that are very, very spread out. And then you add a disability and that's a barrier in and of itself, um, being isolated and then having a disability and being in a profession that really doesn't talk much about disabilities. Um, so really it was the idea of breaking down the barriers and creating a community for individuals. Cause a lot of times after an accident or an injury, most of their care and most of their networking with other individuals happens outside of the state. So they come back to Montana and, and are very disconnected, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say farmers uh, in Montana, as you know, uh, they kind of give off that independent, tough, pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of vibe. And, uh, you know, might not be the first ones to 
to seek help. They're always willing to give help. I know that uh, when they are, their neighbors need help or something like that, but they might not be seeking help. Uh, can is, is this kind of like cutting past, well, I guess you'd say that barrier and, and, and getting to that point? Yeah. Yep. I would, that's exactly how I describe it. And I do a lot of stuff with uh, suicide prevention and suicide awareness and mental health too, which again is another barrier, just the stigma behind all of that. So really just kind of having those tougher conversations and then having people hear firsthand what can happen when we aren't being safe um, and how that can flip your world upside down. And it's not always that it happens when they're not being safe. A lot of this is freak accidents, but just really realizing, you know, maybe people think twice before they do that risky thing because life can change in an instant. So. Yeah. Do you find that uh, farmers, uh, once they kind of become vulnerable and kind of let out and open up to some of the, some of the problems they're dealing with or some of the obstacles they face that, that it's easier then to, to, to get through to them? Yeah, I, I'm still, I'm going to be honest, I'm still kind of figuring out my, my avenue in there. You learn a lot of things in school of how to, how to work with people with disabilities or, or mental illness or struggles, but you don't really learn this culture. Um, and so that's kind of what I've actually taken on at Rocky Mountain College is really teaching about rural culture and rural agriculture and how being able to serve them really is being culturally competent and being able to kind of you know, bob and weave with what they give you and be able to work around that. Because if I go to a farmer and rancher who's dealing with anxiety and tell them to meditate, it's not going to go that well, because a lot of them are going to think that I'm trying to throw something really woo woo at them. So I'm still really trying to figure out kind of the best way. But I think that comes with any client is just being, you know, client centered and, and building that rapport and that relationship. Okay. Well, uh, I know that all of the stories on your podcast are, are inspirational, but are there any that maybe stand out, maybe more so than the others, or maybe, yeah, are any any of these stories that, that really stick out to you? Oh, gosh, uh, they all do. They really <laughs> all do stick out in their own way. And I think this, the cool part of what I've done with these stories, too, is that I've been able to actually build friendships with the individuals on the other end of the podcast and build relationships to the point where when I have clients in the future, I have them to call on to be able to have, be a peer support. So I think that just every story and their, their want and their desire to help others, I think is what stands out that they've been through so much themselves that they could just be doing their own thing and be fine with that. But it, they don't, you know, they want to help others get through it too, which I think is just the special piece of each story. Okay. Uh, how, how did you get the idea to, to do a podcast? Yeah, I, I thought about this a lot and it kind of just fell into place. I, I got into listening to some podcasts pretty, pretty recent before I started recording my own and, and I enjoyed being able to listen to stories and a lot of them were inspiring, but I thought that a podcast would fit really well with this community because they spend a lot of time on the road or in the field in a vehicle where they can listen. And so that's kind of part that is that I just thought it would be a, a really good fit for this population. Yeah, I know when I spent a couple of summers on our family farm back then in southern Idaho on a small dairy farm, milking cows, and all we had in the barn was a little radio that could get maybe one or two stations. So we had podcasts back then that would have 
would have made the time yeah. go a lot faster. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, you, you got your, took your boards in January, you, you said, and how did that go? It went good. I passed. Good. <laughs> so good enough. Um, yeah, it was, it was something that I didn't want to have to do twice because it was a very lengthy test, but it went well and I'm officially certified and licensed and able to practice. So. Okay. And so now you're, you're going out, you're, you're doing your podcast, obviously, and I know you're doing some, some other things speaking, but are you, you actually are to the point now where you can go uh, do some of the occupational therapy duties at some of these places that, that may have to, in other instances, travel four or five hours to, to the big hospital or to the big clinic. And, uh, you're, you're kind of that, uh, kind of that, uh, person who can go out to them, uh, kind of like the old country doctor, I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm officially, I actually officially have one client on my caseload, which is really exciting. Um, that's more egg specific. And the nice thing about it too, is that I kind of have the ability to work if a lot of these rural areas, you, they'll either see an OT or they'll see a PT that's, that's in town. A lot of times they won't get to both disciplines and sometimes they will, but I'm able to kind of work in between both of them and, and really hone in on that more egg specific side of things, which I, I really enjoy. And it's something that I'm gathering that gets, that get, gets missed quite a bit. So I'm excited to be able to serve that population in that manner too. All right. So Kenny, what, uh, what is your message to people that might be struggling with, uh, with maybe some mental health issues? I know the, the farming industry has been seeing some struggles itself with, you know, prices and things that are happening around the world. But, uh, what, what's your, your message there uh, for, for folks? Yeah, I, I think that my biggest message is, and it's really been this throughout this whole thing is that it's okay to not be okay all the time. Um, and it's okay to ask for help. And it's a kind of a matter of finding that, that person that's going to advocate for you and, and be there for you. But also sometimes you don't need to have the answers to, I, I give advice for the people that ask to go ask for help, but the people who are on the other end of that, just, just listen, be there, be present. Um, yeah. Just that it's okay to not be okay all the time. Okay. And how about young people that, uh, you know, I know a lot of young people, they, they graduate from high school, go off to college and they, they might've grown up on a farm and they say, I'm leaving and I'm never coming back. But, uh, how do we get young kids to come back to the farm? Is, is, any ideas on that? Yeah, I, that's kind of something that I've been exploring too, is that I think that agricultural people want to be in agriculture in some way. And there's, there's so many different ways to still be in agriculture and not necessarily be home on the farm or ranch. I mean, that's number one. We want to keep farming and agricultural communities going, of course, but that's what's fun is like you could take something like occupational therapy and be involved in the agricultural community or, you know, there's a lot of different ways to still serve that population and that community. Uh, but there's, there's really no better community than the agricultural community. You know, I, I really have to give a lot of what, where I'm at now to that community too. Um, I really started this from scratch. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even know anything about podcasts, but the people who are behind me have been so amazing and really made it so that I can get to where I am. I mean, I've, I've put the work in most certainly, but the people who have been behind me pushing me the whole way is 
really something that you won't find in any other population than the agricultural population. I like what you said about uh, agriculture. And my, my daughter was a, in FFA for a long time. And uh, she was that type of kid that uh, didn't grow up on a farm, but uh, really thrived. It really helped her not just learning about agriculture, but learning about other things, public speaking and uh, business and, and stuff like that. So when they say it's, it's not just cows and plows, they, they really mean uh, agriculture really goes beyond just the farm, right? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Okay. So Kendra, uh, I know you've been getting the word out through the podcast, uh, but you also go to some, some trade shows. You mentioned the Maggie. Um, is, is that part of your, uh, uh, part of your plan too, to, to hit as many of these like trade shows and big agricultural gatherings as, as you can? Yeah, I, uh, I didn't make it to the Maggie this year oh, just because okay. it was insane. Um, but I've made it to a lot of MABA. I've been to a lot of different ones. Uh, but the coolest part is a lot of people have asked me to speak about what about disabilities in egg and then about safety in agriculture, which is something that I never really would have expected. But the more speakers that I talk to, they say, yeah, that's what happens. You just kind of start something and then people want to hear about it, which is amazing to me. And I'm so grateful because it gives me the opportunity to really uh, advocate for, for my profession and then for the agricultural profession. So, so yes, that's, that's part of my many, one of the hats that I wear is, is going to a lot of those places. And, and that's kind of something that I've, I've told my students that I now teach and just people around me is that it's really about the hands that you shake and being present there. I mean, that's, that's been a huge part of how I've gotten to where I am now is going to these. No, I don't need to be at every meeting, but there's been at least one connection that I've made along the way that has made it all worth it. So. All right. uh, so how can people follow you? Is it on your Facebook page? Is that the best way to, to kind of keep up with where you are and what's, what's going on in your world? Yeah. Uh, so my Facebook page, uh, which is cutting fences. And then, uh, my, I have an Instagram as well. I'm pretty active on, on those two platforms as far as social media goes, but then my website as well is cutting fences, Um, and it's kind of in the works right now. I'm no, I'm no website whiz, but I'm working on it, <laughs> but there's, a, there's all my podcasts on there and then you can listen as well on Spotify and Amazon music. So. Yeah. So the, the main, uh, podcast platforms, I guess they can, they can follow you on. And the podcast itself has been going on for about six months now, or is that about? Yeah. Yep. Just about six months, a little over. So again, some, some incredible guests. I've been able to listen to a couple of the shows, uh, but I think I'm going to put it on my list uh, because as you said, it's, it's very inspirational and these people have great stories to tell and you're a great person to help them, uh, help them tell them. Well, thank you. And I appreciate any, any time that I get to be on someone else's podcast as well. So thank you for having me here. And that's another big thing is I've had the opportunity to be featured in a lot of different magazines and on the news and something that I never would have expected. But like I said, you get good people behind you and, and things happen. So I want to thank all my sponsors and everyone who's been behind me really. It's just, it's, it's hard to even put to words how much I appreciate the people who have been in my corner. All right. Well, thank you for all your do. And uh, thank you so much for taking time today. Yeah. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a conversation with Kendra Joyce, and you can download episodes of her Cutting Fences podcast on Amazon, Spotify, and Audible. And you can also follow her on Facebook and her website, cuttingfencesllc.com. And now a McGonagall's Chronicles update. 
Back in July, I introduced you to Bozeman writer Paul Wiley. After publishing books about Thomas Marr and the Baker Massacre, his latest work, Montana State's Golden Bobcats, which tells the story of the 1929 Montana State men's basketball team, is now available. The newspapers picked up on them, and in those days there wasn't like an NCAA playoff tournament like they have today, where, where the, you get down to two teams playing for a championship. It's just by consensus, but the, the papers in the U.S. agreed that the Montana State College basketball team was the best in the nation that year. Fittingly, that book came out just days after Montana State captured its first regular season Big Sky Conference title in 20 years, and just a few days before they began play as the team to beat in the Big Sky Conference tournament. You can subscribe to McGonagall's Chronicles wherever you get your podcasts, and I invite you to leave a review of the show. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. I'll be back soon with another interesting guest with a Montana connection. Until then, for McGonagall's Chronicles, I'm Tim McGonagall.